Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study each Wednesday evening, posted at 6, uh, 6.30, our time, Central Standard Time here in the United States. And that's for people who cannot be with us at the church building at that time when we generally meet for Wednesday night Bible classes. But we know there are people even in the Omaha area who are not able to be with us during that time, but we know that there are people listening all across the country as well, and literally around the world, wherever the internet is available, and they want to be in God's word. So we're, we're thankful to have the ability, the opportunity, and the means to be able to spread God's word, to teach God's word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful you're there and that you want to learn more from the scriptures, from the Bible. And we're thankful to be able to help you along that line. Now, if you are in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street. Bible classes begin on Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evenings, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study, 6 o'clock each Sunday evening. And then, as I said, on Wednesday evenings, good time to get our spiritual batteries recharged. To be able to take on better the rest of the week, well, Wednesday evenings, 6.30, we come back together for midweek Bible classes. You're welcome to any and all of these services. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means with family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. Help get somebody else into God's Word, and maybe, as a result, help them get to heaven. What a great blessing for them, but also a great blessing for you. Now, we also encourage you to tell everybody about our website. Take advantage of it yourself, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free, always will be free. And when you do that, you'll receive automatically to your smartphone or computer or whatever smart device you choose, our Sunday morning Bible class, Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a daily Monday through Friday radio program we call Search the Scriptures, and also a a seven-day-a-week short Bible study that we call today's Bible class, only about 13 minutes each day, but it keeps us in God's Word, and that's crucial for our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. So take advantage of that and tell everybody else you know to do so as well. We're going to get into a new letter from the New Testament scriptures. We finished last time, we finished 3 John. So we've gone through a whole long list of New Testament books. Uh, To this point in our continued study for Wednesday night Bible class, podcast Bible Bible class. And so here we are, we're beginning to get into the book of Jude. Short letter again, only one chapter, but it's considerably longer than 2 John and 3 John, which were only, 2 John only had, uh, let's see, what was it, about 13, 2 John had uh, 13 verses, and 3 John had 14 verses, and well, Jude, there's 25 verses there. It's interesting, and this is something that that uh, really impressed me recently as I was 
studying the book of Jude under a different teacher other than myself, and uh, he was bringing out, it, 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 you know, I don't know how many times I've read through the book of Jude and referred to various scripture texts within it through, through my years of preaching and teaching, but I don't know that I'd ever really picked up that the basic thrust of the book of Jude, or this short letter written by Jude, is about false teachers and false teachings and warning us as true Christians that we need to be aware of false teachers and false teachings and that we need to stand guard against them because that can jeopardize our eternal salvation, our eternal life in heaven. It can, if we fall, fall prey to false teaching, we can lose our souls basically. Well, the book of Jude, who wrote the book of Jude? Well, <clears throat> we, we understand that we think that just as we believe that James, the, 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 the five-chapter le- five letter of James was written by a brother of Jesus named James, we believe that Jude was written by probably uh, another brother of, Jude, uh, of Jesus, that is physical brother we're talking about, biological, uh, through the same mother, Mary. And, and so that's, you know, that's what we believe. In fact, Jude says at the opening verse, he, adre- he identifies himself as Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. So James, we believe again, James was written by James, a physical or biological brother of Jesus. And since Jude is identifying himself in the very first verse of this short letter as a, as a brother of James, we believe that almost certainly he was also a brother of Jesus. We're, we believe that Jude and James both were brothers, that is physical, biological brothers of Jesus. And then he goes on and says, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved by, in Jesus Christ. Interesting opening statement. Now he goes on and says, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. But that, that, that first verse and, and the address here to those who are called, how are we called? We're called by the gospel of Christ. Now, some people, they may not really stop and think about that. Some people think they just have some kind of feeling, you know, sweeps over them. And, 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 and so there's their calling uh, you know, but, but we're called by the gospel. We're called by the gospel. We look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and he says, uh, the apostle Paul writes here, beginning with verse 13, he says, we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to understand how a person is called, I, you know, I've been, a, I've been a gospel preacher for way over 40 years, and I've, I've heard and read about, you know, supposed preachers, you know, saying, I was called. Now, how were you called? Well, some people, some of them think they were, you know, had this warm feeling or this, you know, experiential feeling sweep over them, or some people might even have, uh, have said, you know, I heard this voice and all that. We're called by the gospel. We're called by the gospel. Now, 
did I have a calling? I, I, I think I could probably say, well, yeah, yeah if, I, if you understand what I mean by that. I was not always going to be a gospel preacher. Now, I was thankfully raised by my parents in the Lord's Church. That was a tremendous blessing. And I've said many times to different people and in different settings that whatever good I am right now, I owe to a great extent to the rearing, the raising, the guidance of my parents because they were godly Christian people themselves. They were parents who raised me in the Lord. I'm so thankful for that. I've known a great many people who were not so blessed. And in a lot of lives, you can tell, you can tell the, the disadvantage because they've struggled in their, in their physical lives and in their spiritual lives. Well, uh, so, but along, and I, I, I did not always want to be a gospel preacher. That was not in my mind, but I was always very focused and I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to stay faithful to God. I want to live by his teachings. But I had a career in the grocery business for a number of years, many years, and I enjoyed that career. But somewhere along the line, as I was a young man, I began being more and more pulled in my, in my desires, in my enjoyment, my focus, my dedication to God, to teaching the gospel, to being involved in the work of the church, and so on. And ultimately, my wife at that time, she said, you know, you just need to make up your mind. Now, that's not exactly the word she said. You need to make up your mind. You need to, you, need to, uh, you know, go to college, start studying for the ministry, and, and become that minister. And she, I don't know if she ever knew how much she influenced me to finally kind of pull that trigger, so to speak. But I, I did not hear God speak in my ear. And there wasn't some all of a sudden warm, you know, touchy-feely or electric kind of experience that swept over my physical body, this feeling. No, no. It was the circumstances. And, and I've taught a number of times on divine providence. Divine providence, and a lot of people, they get mixed, they get miracles mixed up with divine providence. So they see something happen or they experience something. And, you know, they go into the hospital and, and uh, they're very, very sick, near the point of death. And they come out of the hospital and they're well. They say, well, it was a miracle. Or, you know, there was a certain, you know, maybe a car accident and, and you know, somebody, you know, really smashed into another car. And, but everybody walked away. Well, it was a miracle. Understand the, de- the definition of a miracle is something that defies the laws of nature. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Okay. Something that defies the laws of nature. A whole lot of things that happen that a lot of people call miraculous are by divine providence. And that is God working behind the scenes of our lives in ways that we do not see and that we do not even know at the moment in time, but then we can later on when 
whatever he has been working on within our lives to try to lead us open doors toward in our life. And then we walk through those doors. We recognize, okay, this is the way I want to go. Then, then we can look back and see, well, I see how you know, this led to this, and that led to this, and that led to something else, and all of those doors kind of opened down kind of a pathway, and, and, and here I am. I've, I've made that decision, but I see all of these different steps along the way that I was not even realizing were working toward this eventuality. Well, that's divine providence. And so I can look back in my life and I can see different things that happened early in my life that ultimately led to my being pulled in that direction to go into the ministry. And I'm thankful for God's divine providence. I'm thankful for his blessings and guidance to work out in such a way that I could ultimately see this pathway, this direction in my life. And I've been very thankful for that for the rest of my life. But I did not see all of those steps, all of those doors opening in, in the direction that they ultimately led me in. So there, there's, you know, there's a difference there. So when he says to those who are called, he's talking about those who have become Christians answering the gospel call, the call of the message of salvation that is the gospel of Christ. And the Apostle Paul identifies that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first few verses, as being the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. What Jesus came to this earth to bring to mankind, that message that I am your Savior, I am God the Son, I am the fulfillment of the prophesied Messiah in Old Testament scriptures, I have come to be your Savior. In fact, in Matthew chapter Chapter 1, the angel sent to Joseph by God to announce the impending birth of Jesus into this world through Mary, who would be his biological mother, but Joseph, Mary's betrothed, who would be his legal father, but not biological, because Jesus was conceived within Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. But notice how the angel instructs Joseph as to the coming birth of Jesus. And so in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, I'll go back to verse 20. But while he thought about these things, that is, Joseph thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and she and you you shall call his name Jesus. Now that that name Jesus literally means Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Well, so the angel tells Joseph, "You will call his name Jesus. He's coming from God, Jesus, Savior, for." And that's an appropriate name because he will save his people from their sins. So there it is. Jesus is the Savior, and the message of salvation that he brought 
to guide us into that salvation if we will believe it and obey it is nothing more or nothing other, I should say, than the gospel of Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus on this earth. Now, again, he came to bring that message of salvation. I'm the Savior. I'm going to give you the message as to how you can be saved, how you can come to me. We call the great invitation, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, how do we come to Jesus? Now, a lot of people, they think they come to Jesus in some way that, well, I'm not sure they really understand. All of a sudden, they just have this change of heart, and this feeling sweeps over them. Uh, maybe they call out Jesus' name. Maybe they drop on their knees. Well, God has given us, and Jesus brought the message of salvation to instruct us as to how to come to him as our Savior. When he ascended back to heaven after dying on that cross, being buried in the tomb, and then arising from that tomb alive physically, he ascended back to heaven then 40 days later after appearing before hundreds and hundreds of people alive, risen from the dead. He ascended back to heaven, and just before he did, he told the apostles, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He Now, preach what? The gospel, the gospel message of what he brought, the good news of Jesus as our Savior, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Mark 16, 15 and 16. So the message of, of, of salvation, the call to salvation through Jesus Christ is the gospel. And so when we read what Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians, as we read a moment ago, and I'll just turn back there and, and, and review, you know, refresh our memory again. In chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse 14, he said, well, go back to verse 13 again. We are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, belief in the truth. Remember Jesus said in John 8 and verse 32, you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And then back here to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14 now, to which, to, wh- to which what? Salvation, sanctification, which basically are the same, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ there. We're called by the gospel. And so when we come back to Jude and we look at that first verse by way of addressing those to whom Jude is writing this letter, he says to those who are called, we're called by the gospel. And the gospel is the message of salvation, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, again, What did Jesus tell the apostles to preach to all creation? The gospel. And and what did he say needs to be the response to that gospel message? 
he who believes, that's faith, and is baptized, that's obedience. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved and there's salvation in Christ, in Christ, because salvation is in no other. Jesus is our only Savior. So Jude says, first identifying himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are called, sanctified, sanctified, okay? And sanctified basically means set apart, but set apart from a, in a spiritual perspective, set apart in Christ, set apart from the world. Well, why? Because you've responded in obedience to the gospel message of salvation in Christ. So to those who are called, called by the gospel, and they have responded in, in faithful obedience. They believed in Jesus, but they believed in Jesus enough to obey him and be baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins. Acts 2 and verse 38, Acts 22 and verse 16. So to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Now that's interesting, preserved in Jesus Christ. What does preserved mean? We understand what it means when it comes to, say, foods. Something is preserved. It's protected, or it is, it is put into such a state of being that it is going to be kept in that state. We might think of some things that are preserved from a physical you know, or an industrial perspective, somehow it's, they're encapsulated in such a way that basically from our physical perspective, they're always going to be there. Okay. Well, some foods, how, you know, canned foods became just almost a revolution for people hundreds and hundreds of years ago because they learned how they could put some foods in cans or jars, seal them up airtight, and they were called preserves in one way or another. They were preserved. They were, they were kept longer, fresh longer than normally had been the case because they're sealed up in airtight containers. Well, we're talking about eternally preserved, though, aren't we? Eternally preserved. And so we go to John chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, eternal life. That's what we're talking about. When Jude says in addressing this particular letter in verse 1, to those who are called, we're called by the gospel message of salvation, sanctified by God the Father, set apart from the world and its ways, in that we have been saved in Christ and preserved in Jesus Christ. Preserved. Well, when you look at foods that are put in airtight containers, they're going to stay 
fresh, basically, for years to come. Now, I'm not talking about 100 years, but I'm talking about, you know, two or three, maybe four years in some cases. But ultimately, that preserving process is going to run its course, and they're going to, going to become bad. But those who are preserved in Christ are preserved eternally. We don't come to him for a good next 10 or 20 years. We come to him as our Savior for eternal life, eternal life. In John chapter, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, we see both sides of the ledger facing mankind, and, and we all make our choice. The Apostle Paul said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus or through Christ Jesus our Lord, eternal life. Eternity is forever. It does not come to an end. And so there's the preserving or, or the, the perspective of the preservation that Jude is talking about when he writes to those who have become true Christians and stayed faithful. You're the called. You're the sanctified by God the Father. You have been brought up, you have been forgiven of your sins through Christ. You have, been, you have been made new in Christ, reborn in Christ. You stand apart from the world around you. Even though you've got to live in the world, you still, you are the sanctified. You are the redeemed, the saved, the forgiven, and you're preserved. You have been promised eternal life in Christ preserved forever. Jesus told the apostles in John chapter 14, and the first six verses, he, 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 that was the night of his betrayal. He knew the next day he'd be on the cross. He knew that his time in fulfilling his mission upon this earth as the Savior was fast approaching an end. He, he would, he's still our Savior, but he's in heaven now. But his time on this earth was going to be over very, very soon from that particular moment in time, the night of his betrayal. So John 14, verses 1 through 6, among those verses, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again, that there you may be with me. He's, he's, he's in heaven now. He's got that place prepared for those who still follow him faithfully upon this earth. True Christians, true Christians, we have that promise of eternal life with him in heaven. And there is that sense of what Jude refers to in that simple word, preserved. Preserved in Christ Jesus. As long as we stay faithful and obedient in Christ Jesus, then we're preserved. We, we can have confidence that we will be with him for eternity in heaven. And again, eternity never comes to an end. We'll stop here. We'll go a little bit further next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your word. It is so rich in teaching. It is absolute truth. And it is so rich in encouraging us as to how we can live our lives physically in this world with confidence that we can be with you, that we will be with you 
in eternal life in heaven. Thank you, Father, for giving us your word to guide us, to instruct us, to teach us, to encourage us, to correct us at times, and even rebuke us, but to get us on and keep us on the right path, that path that leads to an eternal home with you in heaven. We give you the praise, the glory, the honor, and the thanks, Father. And Father, please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.